0: You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rainer Roberts. Our current serial is of Knives and Nightblooms. Chapter 27 In the Harbour. Calix stumbled out of the ink speaker's cabin and into the bright morning, distancing herself from Yanes' stumbled apologies. She couldn't think about the family curse now, couldn't think about the strange magic that had turned her intended tattoo into something else. She found Mardi and Reynard standing to attention, surrounded by armed guards. City gladii, she realized quickly. They were dressed lightly, as was everyone in this kingdom, with bare legs and sandals. Even their armour was barely there, featuring a breastplate of blood-coloured leather and a skirt of leather lappets, covering some but not all of their meaty thighs. Beneath the red leather, layers of amber and orange tunic gave the impression of flames. These were the armed forces of Phoenix Burning, ready for action. Their leader, the only one wearing a plumed helmet, lowered his sword and stood to attention. ''Great petal,'' he said politely. ''The palace are expecting you.'' ''Indeed,'' said Calix, ''not in the mood for tact or diplomacy. ''Are we so very overdue?'' ''You were expected to arrive two days ago.'' ''It's been quite a voyage.'' ''One she had embarked upon with no assistance whatsoever from the palace.'' Was it the Divine King who'd lost patience with her, or the army of servants and bureaucrats who worked for him? Allow us to escort you directly? The gladius gave Mardi and Reynard a suspicious look. This is not a respectable area of the city. On the contrary, said Calix, layering her tone with a little more frost than necessary. Everyone has been so kind... "'You may escort me as far as my ship, Captain. "'I prefer to arrive in the city aboard the Silken Hare, as planned.' "'She knew the importance of a first impression. "'She could not afford to look weak as she came to meet her new life. "'That means further delay,' the gladius protested. "'Clearly he had not spent enough time around royalty "'if he thought his opinion was desired.' Haughty tones were required now. Calix stared down her nose at him. "I'm hardly dressed for my first reception," she said, pulling her silken shawl more tightly around herself. "Mardy Reynard, with me." Her education might have prioritized magic over diplomacy, but Calix had spent her whole life in the Imperium. She knew how to play the grand dame to get her own way. The gladii escorted them across the shabby and ramshackle collection of boats and bridges of floating rat's nests that was the Court of Miracles to where the silken hair was birthed. It was immediately evident that they expected to come aboard for the final leg of the Petal's journey. Calix stood her ground, waving her assassin companions aboard. The Divine King was very clear "'as was my marriage contract,' she informed the captain. "'No armed forces of this kingdom or of the Imperium "'to be provided for my protection on this voyage down the River Divine. "'I would hate to void our agreement after coming all this way.' "'You have entered the bounds of Phoenix-Burning, Great Petal,' "'protested the captain. "'Have I? "'The harbour is not the city.' With the power of polite demurral on her side, she slipped aboard. Meet us at the city wharf, she called with a wave, for a more formal introduction between the Petal of the Imperium and Phoenix Burning. I look forward to it. Mardy stood watching in amusement as the crew unmoored the barge once more, leaving the armoured gladii standing on a pontoon at the edge of the Court of Miracles. You can't put it off forever, she noted. Sooner or later you'll have to set foot in the city. She gave Calix an odd look. Was Yane not able to help you? Calix checked that her shawl was in place, hiding the poetry that had got the better of the ink speaker. You might say that. I'm sorry. Calix pressed her lips tightly together. You're right, she said, Nimue or no Nimue, I can't put my arrival off any longer. Her magic felt useless. Perhaps the wife of the Thirteenth Treasure could do what the Petal of the Imperium could not, and find her daughter. Onward to Phoenix Burning, she called to the Captain of the Silken Hair. Let's get this over with. The River Divine widened here emerging from the clutter of the banks of the Court of Miracles to form a harbour that ran around the city, presumably meeting the ocean at some point out of sight. Ahead lay the city wharf, and then the city itself. Phoenix burning rose up in golden spires from a series of wide steps of dark granite leading from the water. The combination of shapes and colours did not Quite look like a bird of flame, but it made a good stab at it. So close now. Calix's new life was about to begin, no matter what poetry exploded across her arm. A life with a time limit was still a life, and she intended to live it for as long as she could. Mardi, Reynard said in a warning voice. What now, Marty said, then let out a gasp as she turned around. Calix turned her back on the City of False Flames, following Marty's gaze, and saw death rushing towards her. Death's ship, at least. It looked like a black cloud, whipping across the harbour, avoiding every other ship on the water. Ravens, Calyx realised as she stared into its depths. This was a cloud of ravens, all beaks and wings and shadowed fury. The cloud moved like a ship, like a swift yacht on the wild ocean, tacking sharply to catch the winds here and there. Behind death, something pale and bright began to build. Water, glowing with light? A tidal wave on a river? Calix could not wrap her head around what she was seeing. Shadows and water coming right for her. She saw Mardi wrap her hands helplessly around her belly, not knowing how to protect her baby against this new threat. She saw Reynard Calderon, a crossbow at the ready, realising too late that his weapons could do nothing. In the final moment before the collision, the man hooked one arm around Mardi's shoulders, pulling her close to him the cloud of ravens hit the silken hair all at once. Darkness wrapped around them like a cloak, along with the sound of screaming wood splintering. There was a wild whirr of feathered wings, a shiver of cold closing in around them. Calix heard the captain calling out to his men and then she heard nothing but the groaning creaking of a barge breaking apart the deck exploded under her feet like someone had dropped a wine glass and somehow slowed the scatter of shards calix flung her magic in all directions but the pressure of the angry god and his miracles the darkness of the black feathers muffled her connection to her own power calix fell cold immersed her the water of the river divine cold wet, underwater, buried alive, deep. No, Calix would not allow this. She'd been so close. She hadn't sailed the length of this damned river just to drown in her last moments. She lashed out underwater, feeling for something, anything that would connect her back to her magic. It was the middle of the day but when she opened her eyes under the deep and murky water of the river, she saw night blooms glowing. Icarus did not have time to worry about the precarious method Nimue used to transport them across the river. They were going too fast to think about anything at all. Their floating bridge skimmed quickly over the right bank and down into the harbour, lifted by an impossibly high wave, that appeared in the centre of the otherwise still River Divine. They arrowed into the swarm of ravens that was Death's ship, closing in on the silken hair. They were not fast enough. Death smashed into the barge, and Nimue screamed so loud it felt like all the water of the river rose up to amplify her pain. Their floating bridge disappeared from underneath them, as Icarus had always known would happen. He lost Valeria and Dio in an instant. Nimoy clearly could take care of herself. The water was heavy and cold. Every time he struck out with a swimming stroke, he hit a piece of the broken barge. He had only one consolation. The water tasted like flowers, and that meant Calix was nearby. She had to be. Icarus swam into the chaos, into the floating debris and the hurricane of black feathers as his god fought the river, and the river fought back. He was driven only by the compulsion to find her, to save her. He dove underwater, hoping this would give him some relief from the chaos. When he opened his eyes, though, he saw nothing but floating wood, churning feet as the sailors swam to safety. He pushed himself deeper, deeper, and finally saw the reassuring purple glow of night plumes. He'd never seen them flowering underwater before, but he was used to botanical wonders when Calyx was nearby. The tattoo on the left side of Icarus's neck flared into life, and hungry. Blooms billowed and blossomed under water, The darkness lit up with her. He could now see Calyx floating below him. Her eyes closed, her pale skin glowing like the stamens of the night blooms. Tangled flowers and vines wove around her body as if they might provide a substitute for breathing. Her silken clothes swelled and flowed, lifted by the water into shapes very like the petals of a flower. Why wasn't she moving? Icarus kicked out wildly. He'd never been a strong swimmer, but nothing was going to stop him reaching her. He had long since abandoned the idea that serving Calyx was a humiliation. What else was he good for? Through the thick wild water of the river... Icarus struggled closer, closer. Pieces of the barge sank slowly around him, and his lungs burned for lack of breath. He was going to have to surface for air soon, but he was so nearly there. Calix's eyes snapped open, and she stared at him through the murky shadowed water. Alive. Icarus grabbed for her and she grabbed him in return. For a moment they clung to each other, the magic settling tightly around them both like a glove. Finally he was touching her. They kicked together towards the surface and the night blooms came with them, trailing in a halo around both bodies. Icarus burst up out of the water, gasping for air. Calix gasped too, flailing in darkness. He lunged for her and she grasped him around the shoulders, hauling him in. The kiss was ugly, an ungainly piece of work. He could do better, but it had been a long day. She kissed him back, wild and clinging, and they shared each other's breaths for a ragged moment or two. It took longer than it should have done for either of them to notice that this was not the harbour of Phoenix burning. They were somewhere else entirely. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me, follow me on Instagram, Blue Sky or Threads, at Tansy And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. The ebook of, of Knives and Nightplumes uh, is going to be released to all my Patreon subscribers. I'm hoping sometime in December. It depends on whether I get too tangled up in rewrites and edits, but as soon as possible, I'm going to have an ebook there uh, for them. It will have a general release to the public sometime in 2024, but probably quite late in the year because, frankly, there are a few other releases jostling for more attention ahead of it. Uh, and I'd like to release it uh, generally uh, when we're a little closer to the beginning of book two appearing on this podcast which at this stage i'm thinking is going to be late next year because again other projects you know me i never do just one thing uh thank you for sticking with me there will be four more chapters of this book no wait there will be three more chapters of this book uh, and then i'm going to do an ask tansy uh, special episode at the end of the year. um So if you have any questions you would like me to talk about here on the podcast, you can send them to me. Uh, If you have my email, uh, you can, I believe you can put them in a comment to the podcast. Uh, Yeah, I will, or, or, you know, contact me by any social media and I will have an actual link in a week or two uh, that you can... Put a a comment somewhere Uh, if if you have any questions that you'd like me to chat about. All right. Next time I see you will be December. Uh, I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you. But the end of the year is rushing towards us like a ship full of ravens. (laughs) I will see you next week.